So if you were here a couple weeks ago, I started out with uh, a message on Psalms 119. And today is the last message of the uh, just the right words coming out of the book of Psalms. And uh, what we talked about uh, two weeks ago is that if you go through Psalms 119, and Nate and Becky have done such a great job of just showing us the power of this text. But if you go through Psalms 119 over and over again, you're going to see how important it is that we get into the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, the very breath of God. And from that, uh, we've developed what I call five questions on your spiritual punch list. These are five questions all of us need to ask as we are making life's difficult decisions. And many of us, if not all of us, have already had to make some really tough decisions these last four months. How many of you in the last four months have had to make one or two tough decisions? Am I the only one? Okay. And we know that there are tougher decisions to come. We know that anxiety rules the airwaves and uh, rules everything that's online. And so as a believer, we need to step back, take a deep breath, and allow God's breath to come through his word. And so the first two questions that we talked about is simply this, does my potential decision or opinion line up with God's word? Everybody's got an opinion, but does it line up with God's word? Question number two is, will this potential decision or opinion make me more like Jesus? Think about all the big decisions we make in life and how seldom we step back and say, is this going to help me actually to be more like Jesus? Is this new job opportunity going to help me be more like Jesus? Is this relationship going to help me to be more like Jesus? And so let's listen carefully to God's instructions from Psalms 119, if you have your Bibles, verses 25 through 32 verses 25 through 32. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through the year law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes. Oh Lord, do not let me be put to shame. I run the path of your commands for you have set me free. Isn't that awesome? And Nate did such a great job of saying, as you read through Psalms 119, there's at least seven or eight words repeated over and over again that describe God's word. And each one of those are just a little bit different. For example, the word precept in verse 27 means to pay close attention. In other words, it's to read the word of God and you sense God's spirit move at a specific verse. God says, why don't you camp out there for a while? And then don't read the verse. You ever do this? Don't read the verse and say, I know who needs to hear that. Yeah, you need to hear that, okay? That's a precept. Number two is statutes. I love this. A statute is, the root word is, to carve in stone. It's where we get the word what? Statutes. 
So when you read the word, remember that this word's never going away. It is carved in stone. It's like the, you've always seen, it's kind of the funny thing of the dude that gets all these tattoos and it's a Jill, Susie, Barb, you know what I'm saying? Change, change, change. But this commitment never changes. God's commitment to us and his word never changes. And then commands. A command is not a suggestion. Moses didn't bring down the 10 suggestions. It's the 10 commands. And if we read God's word and realize that the authority is from God, then it holds weight, the weight that it should hold. That's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to add three questions to this punch list, the spiritual punch list. Here's question number three then. Do I have spiritual accountability in my life? Did you notice there in Psalms 119, verses 25 through 27 is this phase. I laid down low in the dust. You preserve my life according to your word. I give, here it is, account for my ways. I'm accountable, Lord, for my actions. But the way that we can really be accountable to God is this. Do you have people in your life that you're accountable to? In other words, we need to allow God's word to hold us accountable, but do you have people that are willing to ask those tough questions? Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is like a two-edged sword. It's like sacred surgery. It's allowing God to get to the toughest part of your life. Now, are you willing to not only let God's word penetrate through those hard areas of your life, but do you have friends, good friends, that you could sit down with and you say, hey, I want to share with you something I'm going through in life. And they're not going to go, oh, that's okay. That they'll say, no, let's work on that. Because that's not okay. We all need accountability. Because it's from God's wisdom that we begin to grow and accountability is part of that. I love in a book, it's a, a book I highly recommend called The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cadero. And uh, he says this about God's word and wisdom and accountability. And listen carefully to his words. I love this. Wisdom teaches you the lesson before you make a mistake. On the other hand, consequences demand that you make the mistake first. Wisdom, I love this. Wisdom puts up the fence at the top of the cliff consequences visits you in the hospital and whispers, that was a stupid thing to do. Have you been there? There's a huge difference between wisdom and consequences. Now, here's a beautiful thing about God's word. We can gain wisdom from the consequences of others. We can read about others and say, I don't think that's a good idea. And God doesn't hide anything. He doesn't take heroes through scripture and, uh, and run a PR so that you never understand what their lives really were and that they had incredibly bad histories and mistakes and consequences. We don't read about the life of David and Bathsheba and go, you know what? What I learned from David is it's okay to step outside and watch somebody take a bath and just keep making one bad decision after another. No, Absolutely. He allows you to experience the consequences of these bad decisions. Accountability is so important. Shared discipleship is important that we can sit uh, with 
two or three brothers or sisters in Christ and we can grow in grace, but it's through that grace that we receive direction and accountability. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens what? Iron. We need each other. We need each other. Question number four is, do I know how God shaped me? And so I love Nate's devotion this morning about God shaping your heart. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork. We are created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are all shaped to serve the Lord and to serve others. Shape is form, and form always follows function. So here's what I mean. If you look, for example, at this mic stand, it's got a certain shape. And because of its shape, there's a couple things it can do pretty well. One of them is it holds microphones really well. The other thing is probably not a bad paperweight or something. I mean, you can find something to use it for, but it, it doesn't make a good pillow. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not designed for a pillow. Now, it holds a microphone. That microphone is great. It helps amplify voices. And it, it helps us to hear clear uh, somebody who's speaking God's word or somebody who's leading our hearts in worship. But I'll tell you what, that microphone is not a very good paddle if you're going out in a boat. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't make a good baseball bat or a basketball. No, that shape has a function. We all have a shape. And because we have a shape, we need to know how God has wired us so that we can do whatever God wants through us to the greatest ability possible. But when we're not paying attention to our shape, we get in trouble. Now, we know how important shape is. Picture Shaquille O'Neal, okay? He has, when he was in shape, <laughs> he had a great shape to be a dominant center in the NBA but I would not want him to be a jockey for me in the Kentucky Derby. Do you know what I'm saying? A few years ago, there was actually a Super Bowl commercial where Shaq, check it out on YouTube, uh, is on a horse. And uh, I feel sorry for the horse, just to say the least, okay? Now, I'm going to put Heather on the spot because um, it just seems like the right thing to do. But I want you to think about how hard it is for Heather as a worship leader, because Heather, her mission is to get as many people involved in worship as possible, okay? But I'm gonna ask a delicate question. Can everybody in this room sing? Yes or no? Yeah, you can say it louder than that. No, okay. Even in your, even in your mask, you're thinking, I'm, I'm sounding better. Probably not, okay. And can everybody in this room play an instrument? Well, I didn't mean, okay. So you realize how difficult that is? Matter of fact, uh, <laughs> the church I grew up in, there was, a, there was a woman in our church and I never knew what the word pitchy was because I asked my mom what that strange sound was. I mean, and I remember when we would sing, it is well in my soul. And I remember this, it is well. And I'm like, no, it's not well. No, it's not well at all. You know, and my mom would say, she's just a little pitchy. And I'm like, no, I would say it's not a little pitchy. And I always wondered why she wasn't on the worship team. Now I know. She's great with the books, not with the mic, okay? 
Matter of fact, do you ever watch American Idol years ago? They used to take the worst acts. My kids actually enjoyed watching that show more than any of the other shows. You'd go, what friend was not a friend for that person? Matter of fact, I heard this quote about people who can't carry a tune. It's <laughs> they're prison singers. They're behind a few bars without the right key. <laughs> Have you ever sat behind some prison singers? Okay. Now, that's what happens when we don't pay attention to shape. And here's what shape means. Spiritual gifts. I mean, how has God gifted you spiritually? There are 12 specific spiritual gifts. Do you know how God has wired you? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. It's a great study. And ask yourself, what are my spiritual gifts? My heart. And what is it I love to do? Even if it doesn't make any sense, you love to do it. Because guess what? Somebody else loves to do the same thing. And God will take those things that you love. And he'll say, okay, let's use that to serve others. What are your abilities? And once again, you may say, yeah, but how can I take my, uh, my abilities? For example, let's say I'm really good with uh, woodwork or I repair furniture, or I fill in the blank. Like I'm, I'm really good at that. Now, God can take that gift and that ability, and once again, you can use it to serve others. Your personality. Uh, there's a lot of uh, folks now that are taking the Enneagram test, and then nine different personality traits. But it is important to know your personality and how you're shaped, and then this is a huge one, experience experience. You know why that's so important? Because you're the only one that has your experience. And as we begin to see how God shaped us, part of our uh, hurts in life, part of the highlights of our life, all those things that play into our life story are so important to the way that we are shaped. Let God help you take your shape and serve him and serve others. And then this is the last question. Am I being influenced by a voice of conviction or condemnation? I shared this a few weeks ago, but it, it bears repeating about how important it is to differentiate between conviction and condemnation. As you're reading the word of God, there will be times, I guarantee you, that God will convict you. God's spirit and his word come together and conviction's going to happen. But Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. He doesn't condemn us, but he will convict us. And that conviction is good. Conviction draws us closer to God and to others. It's out of conviction that we receive God's discipline that develops our character. But that's not condemnation. Condemnation is Satan whispering in your ear. And it's always personal. And con condemnation always drives us away from God and drives us away from heart, others. Condemnation destroys our character and it breaks our heart and it breaks our spirit. That's how you know it's not from God. Now, is conviction painful? Yes. There are times through accountability and God's word and God's spirit, 
that remember what I shared out of Hebrews that it cuts through us, but that's to heal us. And that discipline and that pain of conviction is for us to get stronger. But condemnation does just the opposite. It destroys us. We begin to doubt our value in God, our usefulness in God. Uh, We begin to actually hate ourselves. And that voice is not from God. And that's what I love about God's word. It's not about condemnation. It is about conviction. In Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, we've seen that and read that many times. Um, The author of Hebrews says, I want you to think about as a child the discipline you receive from a parent, specifically a father. And when you receive that discipline, if it's godly discipline, it hurts for a little while, but it's for the best in the long run. The result is a, I love this, a harvest of peace. We've all been there, haven't we? As we reflect on our childhood, some of the discipline we received, it's not like we said, thank you for that. That was such a pleasant experience. No. And we know as we get older and we become parents that uh, it's hard to discipline. And then it's great when you're a grandparent because you're like, yeah, you need to discipline your kid. You don't have to mess with it, but you do understand how important that is. Years ago, um, I've shared before, I'm the youngest of seven. And so well, my dad passed away when I was young, so I don't have a lot of memories. But I cherished my brothers and sisters, my older brothers and sisters, that would share memories of my dad. Because my dad was held at such a high respect. And uh, my brother Ed shared this story about my dad, and it's one of my favorites. Um, my brother Ed um, he said one day dad was going to work and he said, uh, uh, and I was sleeping in, which he said, you didn't do that in the summer with dad when you were a teenager. And he kicked the bed and he said, Ed, when I get home, that yard better be mowed. Which meant when I get home, the yard better be mowed. Okay. It was a command. Okay. <laughs> it was a precept. Okay. And uh, Ed just kept putting it off, putting it off. And then uh, dad came home a little earlier than he thought from work, and Ed was laying there reading the comic book. And that didn't go over well with my dad. And he made another suggestion about go mow the yard. And somehow the way my dad said it, Ed decided, I'm going to go do that right now, okay? But while he's mowing the yard, he's thinking, like most teenagers, I have the worst parents in the world. I can't believe my dad would do that. Like, I'm a great kid. You know, you convince yourself you're a great kid. And he said, uh, I was mad the whole time mowing the yard. He said, and then I put it in the shed and I'm going inside and one of my dad's friends pulled up. And he said, I snuck in because I wanted to hear my dad talk because I realized he's going to tell his buddy that I'm a rotten kid, that I didn't mow the yard. I already know he's going to say that. And he said, so I was eavesdropping. Anybody here ever eavesdrop on their parents? That's a good time, isn't it? And he was eavesdropping, and uh, he said, I, I wanted to peek through the little crack so I could see my dad's talking to this guy. And he said, my dad, he's got this notebook. It's this notebook where I used to do all these cartoons, copy these cartoons, and I'd draw them in detail. And my dad is going through one at a time. And he said, would you look at these pictures? What a great kid. What a great kid Ed is. Man, look at this one. 
And he could tell the guy was bored. He goes, no, 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 look at this one. And he'd show him another picture. He goes, man, what a great kid. And it had said, it hit me. Oh yeah, I should have mowed the yard. What's wrong with me? I know he loves me. What a, what a dad. I don't know that he ever told dad how important that was. But all of us know how important it is in our life. Some of us have been hurt because we've heard our parents say things behind our backs and it hurts. But don't you love catching your parents brag on you? You ever done that? Good land, my mom, and she would embarrass me. You know, oh, Johnny, I know. I know. <laughs> She'd shake her head. But God's got big, she'd always say, God's got big plans for him. And I'm like, well, really? I'm not seeing it. But she saw it. Now, what about your heavenly father? Imagine him talking about you. He loves you so much. That's the voice we need to hear. And when we read through the word of God and we feel conviction, you know why? You're disappointed because you let your dad down. You're disappointed because you love your heavenly father so much and you think, I can do better than this. You see, that's what God wants from us. To realize that conviction's not bad because that's from God. Condemnation is not. He loves us so much. One of my heroes of the faith uh, is Ravi Zacharias. And if you've uh, followed his, his ministry, his life was, he's brilliant, absolutely. If you've never checked out what he's done throughout his life, just go on YouTube. He would travel all around the country to college campuses. And I mean, he would allow open mics and he'd allow students to just talk about atheism or anything they want to talk about. And he always had such a loving, gentle, brilliant response. And so I want to share with you towards the end of his life, this is one of his last speeches. And uh, I just want to share just a snippet of what he said. He first of all quoted C.S. Lewis. And he's quoting him saying this, you do not have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. And then this is what Ravi Zechariah added. And if you and I are a soul, we are a soul, then the greatest need is God's word, which is true to help you understand what life is really all about. And that brings ultimate purpose. You have a soul. Feed your soul. You are a soul. You're a soul. And I'm a soul. And if you want your soul to grow, let it do it through God's word. On March 19th, 2020, uh, there was a, a radio show called the Ben Shapiro Show, and he was actually interviewing Ravi Zacharias in the parking lot of a hospital. And Ravi Zacharias was saying, um, yeah, I, I went in for some back pain and they diagnosed it cancer, but I'm getting ready to go in for another treatment. I'm feeling great. And I'm telling you, by July, I'm going to be going full steam ahead. I can't wait. He's going on and on and on. And on May 19th, he passed away. Hey, we never know. Every day that God gives us is a great day, isn't it? And every day that we're in his word and we read his promises, we grow stronger. And that's this week's challenge. For whatever it is you're going through, Turn it over to God.
and let his word begin to speak to your heart. If needed, let God's word convict you. It will not condemn you. That's not from God, but it will convict you. And together, if we do that, we'll be the church that God wants us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word, the influence of your word, the conviction of your word. And Lord, as we go through life, help us to look at this punch list, these spiritual questions that we need to ask before we form our opinions, uh, before we step out into this world and make these big decisions. Lord, help us surrender to you. Let us allow your word to do what only your word can do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.